Sepsis, or the infection causing sepsis, starts before a patient goes to the hospital in nearly 87% of cases. Sepsis is a medical emergency. If you or your loved one has an infection that's not getting better or is getting worse, act fast. Get medical care immediately. Ask your healthcare professional, could this infection be leading to sepsis? And if you should go to the emergency room, learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, episode number six. On the show today, we have Tess Wicks joining us. Tess Wicks is a wealth and mindset coach and a successful content creator who helps online coaches and service-based entrepreneurs create a profitable business and life. Tess is here today to share her advice for how we can all develop a better relationship with money, as well as how we can grow our businesses by showing up for our audiences across multiple platforms simultaneously. You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, a show all about money and entrepreneurship with host Chelsea Clark. Chelsea is a marketing strategist and the founder of HerPaperRoot.com, a friendly and supportive hive for ambitious, passionate entrepreneurs like you to learn how to growth hack your idea into a profitable business. We encourage you to fearlessly tackle your wildest goals. We know that as your own boss, you can deliver your unique message and make more paper. You just need a plan. Here's your host, Chelsea Clark. It's wonderful to have you here, Tess. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chelsea. So right off the bat, I want to say that you have created a business that helps entrepreneurs at various stages in their careers. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and your career as a wealth and mindset coach, because that just sounds so cool to me. Thank you. It is quite the winding road. I will say that I never once thought I would be an entrepreneur to begin with. I didn't really even know what an entrepreneur was. I remember getting into – in college, I had talked to a guy who was in one of my first like freshman year classes, and he told me he was going to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, what is that? And come to – like so ridiculous because my dad is an entrepreneur. My family ha- runs a small business, and I just didn't really put two and two together. It was really weird for me. I went to school – with a very predictable career path, I went to be an actuary, which is where you blend statistics and finance and then you get to figure out how to basically put a price on random things that could happen, specifically death and uh, like car crashes and houses burning down, stuff like that. Is that like Tyler Durden was in Fight Club? Is that what his job was? Or the guy that the real Tyler Durden, was that his job? I have to be honest, I've never seen Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> totally side tangent. It's the insurance. So it's like determining what, you know, think car insurance, how much it's going to cost for you. Um, the actuary is the person who does the math to figure out like what's the probability that a car crash would happen and what is the cost to the insurance company going to be? And if they can figure that out, then we can determine how much you're going to pay in your car insurance premium. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sounds super sexy, I know. (laughs) I quickly realized that that probably wasn't going to be the life for me because I just wasn't really cut out for the corporate world in a lot of different ways. Um, And I took a leap of faith, to be honest, into this world of entrepreneurship in general. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I could do because like I'd never thought that entrepreneurship was a thing that I that was possible for me. Um but I had surrounded myself with people who were all kind of 
testing out their own skills and seeing what they could do in order to essentially make money. And I was like, wow, I've never even thought about that beyond, you know, having a very specific career path of being an actuary and getting paid for doing actuary things. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I said, I took a leap of faith. I had saved up a bunch of money and and gone off on my own and started just kind of dabbling in the world of content creation and working as an independent contractor for a content marketing company. And eventually kind of was like, I really want to figure out how I can use these newfound skills that I didn't realize I had of creating content and applying some of my expertise, which to be honest, and I think when we think about personal finance, like that's really the the world I went into. And I didn't have much expertise per se in personal finance. None of us really has expertise in personal finance when we're, you know, leaving college and or leaving, you know, one part of life where that's not really our job to manage our finances and then becoming it, our job to manage our finances and becoming like real adults and having to work and, and whatnot. Um, we don't get that expertise in any way, shape, or form in – for most of us don't in high school or uh-huh. college or any educational platform. Um, but I knew that I had at least the – developed the skills to be able to figure it out. And I, if I could figure it out, then I could help my peers figure it out. And so I entered this world and became a, a coach essentially through – basically thinking about how could I leverage what I know and help the people that I most want to help, which are my peers and other, you know, women navigating this this life, this world, and everything that we do here. Um, and so I started in personal finance with women, working with women, especially because from my experience in the financial world and going through my financial courses and all of that stuff – women were highly and heavily underrepresented. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, providing a platform for them to learn and grow. And I started working with individual traditionally employed women. And then I've since moved into working with entrepreneurs and um, female business owners and helping them understand how to manage their money and both from their business and their personal lives and um, how to combine the practical financial numbers aspects with the mindset. And because if you don't have your mindset right, it's so hard to just utilize any tools, even if they're the best tools in the world, because we have to make sure that we're approaching it from the right angle as well. So that's a long-winded story. No, that's great. (laughs) And talking about your blog, your blog, wanderwealthy.com, it's jam-packed with awesome money tips. But one of your posts really stood out to me, and it's called 12 Things I Wish I Knew When I Was 22 which I think is Mm -hmm. such important info. So please tell us a little bit about that article and like your own money journey through your 20s and what advice you would give to a 20-something, what you'd want them to know. Yeah, that is such a funny article. I remember writing it and it's – I think what's really important for any 20-something-year-old to know is that like none of us have it figured out. So I think one of the biggest things, and this might have changed from when I wrote the article because it was a while back, but I think we all think everyone else has their money figured out. Like they, like somehow everyone got that personal finance class that none of us received. And we feel intimidated or overwhelmed or ashamed to ask the questions. When in reality, like the reason why I really 
honed in on focusing on women specifically with the money stuff was because I was like, it seemed like all the guys always had it figured out. And so I was like, they all know what's going on. And I want to help myself and my fellow ladies, you know, going through life, figure out what, you know, this money stuff is and how to manage their finances. So that's the the first thing that was really, you know, especially over the last even couple of years, whether it's business or it's just personal finance, is that you think like you shouldn't raise your hand and ask the question because it's a dumb question. But in reality, like so many people are going to benefit from you asking those questions and from you kind of sticking your neck out and reaching out to people and and inquiring about some of these things. Um, So that's like the very first thing. Some other things is just like the idea that everything in life is negotiable and, you know, not to be afraid of asking for what you want. Um, I had a huge – and I still, you know, the still – I just recently did a video about this on IGTV um, talking about how I've had a really big problem with – seniority and like pe- like strangers but more more so people who have seniority over me and one big thing i learned in my early 20s i went on a round the world trip with a bunch of senior level people from the company i used to work for and i was like oh my gosh they're just like me having conversations asking them for favors like any sort of thing that i presented them with they're just they're the same and they're people too and and knowing that is really important in both business and um, and just like navigating your early 20s in general. And I think the last thing, the, the biggest thing that I think any 20-something-year-old should know is that it's okay to say no to things. I work with so yeah. many women who feel like they always have to say yes and, you know, they have to go to every single wedding that they're invited to or they have to, um, you know – and this is a little different, but if we're talking business, like give the thing for free and help everyone. And although I I get it, I see the drive there. I've been, (laughs) you know, someone who gives away free content all the time and free advice in my email inbox. It is so important to like define your boundaries and know when, when you need to protect yourself and say no. And, and saying no and setting boundaries are not limiting things to do. They will not restrict you. They actually provide you with more freedom. It seems counterintuitive at the beginning, but when you actually set boundaries, it gives you way more freedom and flexibility in your life. So those are the, the top ones. There is a ton more coming up on today's episode, but first I want to quickly thank our sponsors for making this show possible. Envato Elements is your one-stop shop for WordPress themes, stock photos, stock video, web templates, WordPress plugins, fonts, and more. As a subscriber, you get unlimited downloads to 1 million plus products for a low monthly fee. Get a sneak peek of what members get by going to herpaperoot.com slash Envato Elements. I am such a supporter of self-made entrepreneur women such as yourself. There is so much work that goes into starting a business and running it as your own personal brand. How do you manage all the many elements of your business? What productivity tips would you let us in on? That's a good question. A lot of people ask me why, like, how I'm so productive and how I get it all done. And I'm like, um, I, did, I didn't realize I did. <laughs> that goes to say that like, this is a bigger general 
lesson in general is like we all think that what we do is too easy to be able to teach or to to make an impact and when in fact like there's always someone looking at you and like knowing that you're one step ahead of them so it's always mm-hmm. like really important to be able to break that down for other people and know that like especially if you're trying to become a business owner or trying to just like figure out what's my purpose what can i do how can i make a difference it's like think about how you've gotten to where you are today and break that down for the people who are one or five or 10 steps behind you um so anyway getting it all done honestly i don't know i i think when it comes to creating content i I try to make a schedule and stick to it and I don't always. Um, I use Asana, which is a wonderful task management platform that does its best to keep me on track. But at the root of it all is like – and I say this for budgeting and personal finance too and business finance is you can have the best – task management platform. You can have the best budget. You can have the most organized calendar, content calendar, but it's really all starts with you. If you mm-hmm. don't show up and you don't do the work, then it that's where it falls apart. Um, so I think what I can attribute to my productivity is actually a lot of the work that I do on, you know, understanding my why and just keeping the focus on what I'm trying to provide and who I'm trying to help and knowing that if I show up every day and honor my calendar and honor my commitments, that'll happen. Um, But it it starts with my own like mindset and my ability to approach it from that regard and my willingness and ability to have grace and compassion for myself if I don't hit that mark. Because I think a lot of people are always like consistency, productivity, you know, be be there all the time, kind of constantly be predictable and show up. And and I have a hard time with that because of my actual just like my personality. Um, so if I can have grace also when I fall down and I fail, I find it's much more manageable to be able to pick myself back up and get back to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so important. You And you hear about so many content creators who burn out, especially people who are just getting started in their first few months in business or as a blogger or whatever it is that they're trying to do. So having that like a little bit of room with yourself and, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be on all the time mm-hmm. because, you know, you're number one. Nothing, everything will get done in time, but nothing can get done if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like finding finding the schedule that works for you. If you can't create content every day, don't force yourself to create content every day. Like if it's once a week, once a week, do it once a week or do it once a month. And then like in that way, you can at least approach it and and really feel like this is a consist the consistency I'm meant to show up at. And even still, if you can't show up that week or that month or that day, yes. have some compassion and know that like it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Just show up tomorrow. Yes. Oh, that's so true. (laughs) You had mentioned a little bit about mindset. And I just want to mention like we hear the term money blocks a lot these days. So what does that term mean? And how do you see it manifesting in people that they themselves may not realize yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, money mindset is a big topic that takes a while to break down. And I think, you know, some people are still very confused by it. But at the root of it, and when we talk about money blocks, that's like that's like a subtopic of the overarching topic of money mindset. Mm-hmm. But essentially, we are 
programmed from birth to start developing thoughts and feelings and ideas and beliefs around money, but also around all other sorts of things, around relationships, around, um, you know, just like general ways and attitudes about life. Um, But when we are born, we are essentially just like these new beings trying to figure out how to survive. And what is happening in our brain, so money mindset is really about like the brain and and the you've probably heard about like conscious and subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Um so what is happening in our brain is like we're we're children, we're we're babies. We can't we can we could we're hardly able to think for ourselves. Um and we're just rapidly our brain is rapidly trying to figure out how to survive and thrive. And so from the most like instinctual part of ourselves, our animal brain, that is getting developed the fastest and between the ages of zero and seven. And we develop all of these understandings of, you know, how do we learn to eat? How do we learn to, you know, if I cry, my mom will come and feed me. If I if I cry and I'm alone in my bed, my mom will come in. Like we learn basically through trial and error. Then we learn how to walk and then we start observing and we learn through observation and we essentially start identifying and and putting meaning towards certain things in life, specifically that have to do with our survival. In modern times, we've learned that also money is a really, you know, helpful middleman to essentially be able to purchase things that are pertinent to our survival, like food, water, shelter, even some sort of, in some ways, like relationships. Um, And so... Basically, how we learn about money, though, is we learn through observing our parents' thoughts, feelings, actions, judgments around money. And so a lot of the things that, you know, we think and we believe about money today is actually from all of that early subconscious development that occurred in and during childhood, essentially before the age of seven, six or seven. So money blocks come up for a lot of people because they're carrying forward into adulthood these beliefs that are potentially limiting to them when it comes to money. You know, whether maybe you grew up in a household where money was a huge source of stress. And so you picked up on that and you understood, okay, money means bad. Money is money is stressful. Money means, you know, you're actually going to lose money. Money means um, it might lead to pain or punishment. And so you make those connections in your subconscious mind. And then as an adult, subconsciously, you know, you're not consciously thinking, oh, money is bad. But Mm -hmm. subconsciously, you have these blocks, these almost walls put up that maybe you feel like every time you have an opportunity to make money, you sabotage it. Or every time you do make money, you end up spending it or making a bad investment. And a lot of times we can we can identify that and get down to, you know, the root of that by going back to childhood and identifying what was the general feeling and consensus about money from back then. So blocks can show up in terms of 
earning money. They can show up in terms of what is safe for you to save or to have. Um, they can show up in terms of what are what is safe for you to have in terms of debt, like how far into debt will you be willing to go before it feels dangerous or unacceptable. Um, it also can show up in terms of spending money and your willingness to spend money. And pretty much what we're doing on a subconscious level is identifying what is safe and what is unsafe. And basically what is unsafe is what would go beyond what my parents or my uh, community, maybe you grew up like I did in a small town. And if you spent a lot of money, the whole town would be like, oh my God, did you see she bought that really expensive (laughs) car? And that would be unsafe because you wouldn't want to be the out, out, liar, the outcast, you know, spending too much money or Mm -hmm. maybe not making enough money. We all have our communities and our, our essentially our tribes that we grew up in that are or were pertinent to, you know, blending in was pertinent to our safety and our, and our ability to survive and thrive. And now it no longer applies, but we carry forward those blocks subconsciously. So it's a, it's a deep topic, but hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Yes. I think that really explains a lot. When someone has made the decision to get in control of their finances and to actually become wealthy and they're ready to take the first steps to learn how to make it reality, what's something that can get in their way that you see and what advice would you give them? That's a good question. There's so many different things and I I think this kind of comes back to those blocks and and what you believe is acceptable for you to do or not do. I was just talking about this in terms mm-hmm. of like what work should look like. We all have our beliefs about like how much money people like me make or, you know, let's say you're trying to get your finances together and you're looking into hiring a money coach, but maybe you have some beliefs about, well, what would my parents think or what would my partner think if I really wanted to hire and work with someone to get my finances together? Um, other other limitations, even just the, the thought, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, but the belief of I can't afford that. When we say I can't afford that, we're immediately limiting ourselves to be able to open up possibility of all the opportunities we could potentially take hold of to be able to afford whatever it is that we ultimately want. And so in a lot of ways, the things that are getting in people's ways are their beliefs that they're unwilling to change. So, you know, work has to look this certain way. Otherwise, you know, I can't do it. Or um, I can't afford investing in a money coach or investing in my own financial future because of my current situation. Um, or, you know, there's so many different things that we we hold, we grasp on so tightly. And if we would just ask ourselves different questions, I think that would open up our our subconscious mind and our conscious mind to new opportunity and possibility to make those things happen and to allow ourselves to be put in a position where it is possible for us to be good with money, to afford the things that we want, to be able to define and decide what work ultimately looks like for you and to be successful in in that regard. So, yeah, changing the changing the the beliefs and being willing to ask different questions. Yes, I totally agree. 
being able to stop limiting yourself by actually believing that you can and you don't have to, you know, there isn't some sort of status quo that you have to fall into. Like you can do it, you can change and you can grow, but having certain beliefs or the way that you speak to yourself, if you're speaking to yourself negatively about money, it's just, you're just setting yourself up to make it harder. You're just pushing that rock Mm -hmm. up the hill when it doesn't need to be that tough, I think. Mm -hmm. We briefly touched on your coaching services and in addition to that and your blog, you also host the Wander Wealthy podcast and a YouTube channel and you're on IGTV. So you are one busy lady. And when you started your business, did you launch with all of these platforms at once or did you develop them slowly over time? Oh, absolutely not. Um, I launched with just a podcast and really I just wanted to find the easiest way for me to get content out there. And I'm a perfectionist when it comes to writing, so it takes me a long time to write. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready to go on video. No way could I do that. <laughs> and so I had had experience actually with a, a podcast that I had started with some friends, and I was kind of the behind-the-scenes girl. And I had experience with that, so I kind of knew the structure. So then I was like, I'm just going to take this. And I know I can talk, and I know I can like write up some notes and just talk through it. And so I started with the podcast and I would blog here and there. And then I actually, I think a lot of people start with one thing and master it. And that's what I probably should have done. But I I actually started one thing and then stopped it and then started something else and then stopped it and then mm-hmm. went back to one thing. So I mean, do what works best for you. But usually if you just start with one thing and stick to it, even if it feels like you've been sticking it out and nothing's been happening, it will it will happen. So um, and then you can add in things as it becomes easier or as you find new ways to outsource different activities. But yeah, start with one thing and then grow from there. Yeah, I think that's great advice. (laughs) It's pretty Mm -hmm. overwhelming when someone jumps into this business, whatever their business may be, when you jump into the business of being a content creator, there's just so much to do and learn. And it's a lot to take on if you're trying to do everything at once. Yeah. Don't look at other people and how they're doing it. Focus on your one thing and know that it will be it will grow over time. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I tell my coaching clients as well. Like you can't compare yourself to what someone else is doing who may be years ahead of you or they have a whole team ahead of you. You know, you just have to focus on what your right. goals are and where you want to take it and take it one step at a time. Because it's just too crazy to yes. try to do it all. which people can do it all, but don't do it all from day one. That's what I would say. (laughs) And so if we're talking about monetizing different platforms um, and we're monetizing them all at once when you get, when you have the ball rolling, what are three monetization tips that you would recommend someone should focus on? There's so many different ways that you can monetize content or, you know, monetize your through your business in any way, shape, or form. And um, a lot of people want to go straight to the quick and easy ways of like, okay, I'm going to just put up ads and then I'm going to have sponsorships. But a lot of that stuff takes numbers. And you can monetize in bigger like value amounts a lot sooner by offering things from your skill set um, before your content really gets there. So like you know, obviously, and we just talked about this, you might be one, five, 10 steps ahead of someone else. Monetize that. Monetize that skill or that strategy or that process that you've put in place to get to that 
mm-hmm. next step and that next level. And then continue to focus on creating good content um, so that the, you know, sponsor sponsorships or advertising dollars from traffic can come in in that way. Um, kind of it's going to be a more slower and steady build most likely unless you're really good at going viral. Um, and so know that like that's going to be the slow burn and you can start to monetize a lot sooner by, you know, looking at what sort of things can I sell as one-offs um, until I'm there. Absolutely. When you had mentioned about monetizing your skills, someone could create a digital product, a course, an ebook, um, something like that. I always like to recommend monetizing with affiliate marketing, even if you don't have the traffic yet, like whereas ads, you're more dependent on traffic and clicks, whereas affiliate marketing, yeah. you can make sales and commissions from day one um, as long yeah. as you know you have people interested in the product. Right, exactly. And I think um, from a monetization standpoint, just focus on the good content and of course, focus on building a list. And I'm sure People say that all the time, but like if you want to monetize with your own products or with affiliate marketing, you don't have to have a lot of people. You just have to have the right people who and the right fit of whatever that product is, whether it's through an affiliate or your own. But you don't have to have a lot to get high a higher income compared to the traffic that you need for advertising um, or sponsorships. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important to have a list. I can't recommend that enough. Every entrepreneur needs a quality email service provider. ConvertKit is my number one choice for email marketing and list management. This is a professional mailing system that easily integrates into your website where your readers can sign up to your newsletters. You can easily create landing pages, create and send campaigns, manage opt-in forms, automations, tags, and more. Go to herpaperoot.com ConvertKit to get a free trial. Your top five must-have business tools, what are they and why? I would say this is really interesting. I've, I mentioned Asana and I think Asana is really great. If you want a tool, it would be Asana. Um, but other than that, in terms of tools, I think like my email, Gmail is – a huge tool. Like I'm trying to think of the things that I actually really use every single day and like using my email, using, um, using Google drive. Mm -hmm. So we'll just say like the entire Google suite, like Google drive, Google mail, Google calendar. That's something that I use all the time because it essentially is my platform to manage my company. I email my clients. I, you know, email my my contractors, people who are helping me with my content. And that's how we share our files and we coordinate our calendar. So it's like all basically on Gmail. Um, so Gmail, Asana for task management, just keep me in check. I would say my morning routine, which is probably annoying to some people because they want like the tool. And I'm like, no, the mindset, the <laughs> the ability to have kind of a clear mind and and knowing essentially what you have to do every day is like switch your mind from the default, which is kind of constantly thinking about how am I going to survive this day, which is a very like negative limiting way of thinking and switching yourself into 
um, appreciation and abundance of, you know, I get all these possibilities and you're more open to new possibilities and new opportunities. Um, so my mindset morning routine and I would say my email list. So I and I think the only one that you actually have to pay for is the email marketing. I'm big on like you don't need all this fancy stuff to get a business going. It really doesn't have to be so much to be a successful thriving business owner and I think a lot of us make it seem like you need all of this stuff and really it's like if you have a good head on your shoulders and you can email people you could probably make money. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> For anyone listening today who wants to improve their financial savviness, which I'm sure is most people, what three personal finance books would you recommend to anyone? First is, okay, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. I love that book because it is just like straight shooter, um, straight to the point, and has so many of the most impactful quotes and like just little sound bites that I think you can always refer back to. Um, the second one is for business owners. It's Profit First. It's the way that I um, set up my business and I work with my coaching clients to set up theirs. I do kind of a version of it, but that's that's kind of the foundation. Um, and if you are just from a mindset, money mindset perspective, I would say Tapping into Wealth by Margaret Lynch. That's my mindset, money mindset business Bible. And it it uses um, emotional freedom technique. But honestly, you could take the exercises for these tapping or EFT and you could just journal on them. Um, or do visualization or affirmation, just figure out what what feels best for you. But the the exercises that she does go through will really help you identify those money blocks that we had talked about and understanding more about what's happening subconsciously that is keeping us blocked or sabotaging our own success. Mm -hmm. And what do you love most about your business? I love my clients and just being able to get on the phone with them every couple weeks or every month and check in and help them see the progress that they're making. I think so often, especially when it when it comes to money and we have some big money goals, it feels like super daunting to face those. But when you actually see the pro progress and you get to see how far you've come since we started or even how far you've come since last month, that's where the motivation and that's where they really light up and and feel like, okay, I can do this. I can, I can tackle this and I can turn this ship around. Um, so yeah, working with my clients is probably the best thing about my business. And how would someone become a wealth and mindset coach? Mm. You can just start, honestly. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that because so many people think for any job, it's like, oh, I can't because I can't do this or I don't have this or you just, just start. Yes, yes. And, you know, you you have to be interested in it and you have to be kind of interested in geeking out about other people's numbers. Um, but coaching is really about helping and guiding people down the right path, but not giving advice. It's not about judging people or giving them advice or telling them what they should or should not do. It's really saying, 
here are your options. Based on, you know, if you're talking money, based on the numbers that you have, here are some options that you have and here are some things you can do to implement into your life to change it. But it's entirely up to them if they're going to. So, you know, I think a lot of people think and whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not really sure, but the coaching industry is not necessarily regulated in a sense where you need to get mm-hmm. certain certifications to become a coach. Um, and so, you know, take it or leave it however you want with that piece of information. But what that means to me is there's no massive barrier to entry. You don't need to get like a master's degree in order to become a wealth and mindset coach or any type of coach. You know, you want to have some sort of system or methodology and also just the ability to know that like as a coach, you're really just your job is to hold the space for your clients and help them see that they can implement the strategies or or they that they do have options and opportunities. Um, and if you that's something you want to do, then yeah, I mean, kind of come up with your your method or your process and and you can just start and you can go out there and work with people and you know as long as your goal and your drive is to help them and improve their lives um then then it's going to be worth it for them oh absolutely and where can our listeners learn more about what you do? So you can head to wanderwealthy.com and I have everything on my website. Um, you can also check me out on Instagram. That's kind of my favorite place to hang out. And my handle is at Tess underscore Wicks. That's amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And what you shared here is just, it's phenomenal. It's so, I think, inspiring and uplifting. And I think a lot of people are really going to be just feeling great after listening to what you've said today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. Thanks for tuning in to the Her Paper Root podcast. We hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, please say so by leaving us a review on iTunes. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. For more entrepreneurship resources and to connect with Chelsea, swing by herpaperroot.com. Now go make something.